Well, this biblical story, the one of Ruth and Naomi, is actually very important in my life. Um, Ruth's covenant words to Naomi, which you've probably heard before, were read at my wedding three years ago. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. These words of commitment have reminded Brian and I that we have covenanted to journey with one another no matter where life takes us. But this story is also important to me because it's the first sermon I ever preached. Now, some of you might remember my stories about the wonderful and terrifying preaching professor, Dr. Teresa Fry Brown. Well, you're going to get another one of her stories today. I was one of those seminary freshmen that was unfortunate enough to be placed in her class, the very first class of my very first day at seminary at Candler School of Theology in Atlanta. And so um, Dr. Teresa Fry Brown, and you do call her by all of her names, and you do not leave one out, waited until we were all in our seats that first day of class, and she waited in her office across the hall, and as we settled down and got quiet, she opened the door slowly and strode to the front of the classroom in her five-inch heels that she never missed a beat on. And then she pulled her reading glasses down on the end of her nose, and she looked at us over them like this. And she said calmly, Ruth, chapter 1, verses 16 to 18, you will be preaching in three minutes. And she walked out of the classroom for three minutes while we grabbed our Bibles and tried to remember where Ruth was and what we could say about this text and what was verse 16 to 18. And then when three minutes had passed, she returned to the class with video camera in tow because she videoed our sermons so that we could learn from the crazy things that we had done while we preached or the moments where we possibly blacked out, which I think I could have done during that first sermon, so that we could watch them later. And one by one, she called on us to stand in front of the class and to preach about Ruth and Naomi. I barely remember what I said. I'm sure it's on video in her office, and I'm sure she laughs at it from time to time. But I remember mumbling something about loyalty and commitment and covenant and how God loves us. And then I inched my way back to my seat, quietly hoping that she wouldn't look me in the eye. I'm still a little bit terrified of this text. It makes my palms sweat when I hear about Ruth, chapter 1, verses 16 to 18. But fortunately, this morning, we hold this text together. And you can bear some of the weight of that fear with me, although I'm not going to call you up to preach. The story of Ruth and Naomi and the covenant relationship between the two of them has helped Christians for generations to expand our idea of what family is and how God can work within our families. Now, it is not lost on me that while this sermon and this theme and this text was planned months ago, that it happens to fall at a week in our history as a country where we're having that same conversation. What does family look like? And how can God work within our families, even though they look differently than we thought before? So I leave this text with you to reflect upon as you watch the news this week. 
And I want to share with you just one second story from seminary. It was not long after that first preaching class, I began to notice billboards for a local Christian radio station. It was called the Fish 104.7, and they had gone through this big rebranding process, and so they had covered Atlanta in their billboards, and all the billboards were the same. They were a white background with an image of a perfect family. You know what I'm talking about. The parents looked well-rested and pulled together. There were 2.5 children. They were all smiling at the same time and looking in the same direction. And there was next to that picture of the family um, the Jesus fish, the ichthus fish, and the same black lettering on every billboard that read, Safe for the Whole Family. And I would see these billboards on my way home from class every day, these classes where I was studying the scriptures and and discussing the Bible and the text and learning with the community at the seminary and the professors. And every day that billboard started to just not sit well with me until one day I passed it and I realized I was gripping the steering wheel and I yelled out in my car by myself, no way. No way is Christianity safe for the whole family. Have you read the Bible? It's dangerous. And have you seen a biblical family? Erica had this nice PC way of saying all biblical families are different. Well, I say they're crazy. Have you ever read the stories from the Bible of our families? They don't look anything like that image of that perfect family that was on the billboard. And while I knew that the radio station was meaning to say that their content was safe for our whole family, they were unfortunately playing into this false assumption in American Christian culture that the Bible is safe and wholesome all the time, and that families in the Bible are as well, which often could not be farther from the truth. Friends, the Bible is dangerous. If you read it, if you take it seriously, if you follow it, It turns you from this normal person who follows the rules of society and culture to a person who goes against the grain, to a person who turns the other cheek, to a person who forgives seven times 70, or prays for your enemies, or who gives the coat off your back when somebody merely asks for it. The 80 youth and adults who gathered in our back parking lot yesterday to leave for Kentucky for the Appalachian Service Project have been reading the Bible. And they've heard that it says to love and serve your neighbor. And your neighbor is not just the person living next door to you. And so they've heard that message that is not safe or comfortable. And they left yesterday to go to Kentucky to work with families in central Appalachia and help rebuild homes. On a much heavier note, we've seen an example of how the Bible changes our lives and calls us to do things that are not safe and not comfortable in the words of the families of those killed at Emmanuel AME Church in Charleston, those families, out of their deeply rooted faith, faith in the scriptures and faith in God, spoke about grace and forgiveness. They spoke words of deep grace to Dylan Roof and his sentencing. As he was being sentenced for crimes which stemmed out of what we can only call unspeakable hate and racism, The families offered grace. The Bible isn't safe, and it changes everything. And the other truth that I mentioned that came, I came to name through this outburst I had at the billboard was that families of the Bible aren't always those wholesome models that we sometimes proclaim them to be. 
Often biblical families are a mess, and they look nothing like that picture of the well-put-together family we would hope. Just journey with me for a second through the scriptures. You remember the story of Abraham and Sarah, two folks who we often lift up as, as people of great faith, and they were. But don't forget that there were years, decades of doubting and even laughing at God as God cast this vision before Abraham and Sarah of what God would do. And then there was Jacob, who was known as the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. But let us not forget how he betrayed his brother Esau and how he lied and played tricks to gain more weight in his own family. And what about Adam and Eve, our first family? who struggled with temptation and whose children turned on each other. These are our great fathers and mothers of the faith, but their families were broken and messy and wrought with struggle and far from perfect. And as we think about that this morning, I just want to say that that is good news, isn't it? Because if you're hearing this and your family's a mess, then that's good news for you. If you barely made it here this morning, or only half of your family made it here because you couldn't get everybody going in the same direction at the same time, then this is good news for you. If your family is made up of that sweet-turned-self-absorbed teenager, or the parent who loses their cool and yells, or the weird cousin or the brother who holds grudges, or the people who aren't even blood relatives but somehow make it to your dinner table night after night, then all of this is good news for you. Because the Bible tells us over and over again that God can work within your family no matter how crazy or how challenged you are. And that gives us hope. And so we turn now to the story of Ruth and Naomi and Orpah, a family which was wrought with grief, which many of us have experienced in our lifetimes, grief and great loss. And I want to point out that Naomi's name in Hebrew means pleasant. And that becomes important because as we follow her journey and we watch her move to a foreign land and then we see how she loses her husband and her two sons and we see as she is left with nothing and no one to protect her or to provide for her, she tells her daughter-in-laws as she's about to go home, don't call me Naomi anymore, call me Mara, which in Hebrew means bitter. So we follow her from a a journey of where she feels pleasant and cared for and loved to a journey of bitterness. This was the path of her family. But her shining star, her redemption, her ray of hope, of course, is Ruth. And Ruth's covenant to her is one that we continue to share with one another in in our relationships and in our families and our churches throughout the ages. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Through this covenant, Ruth and Naomi made between one another, God does amazing things. God brings them into a land with food again. God adds new people to their families and new marriages and even new life. If you've ever read the book of Ruth, which I would encourage you to, it's one of the shortest, one of the shortest in the Bible. You can certainly make it through those four chapters. The story ends with Naomi cradling her newborn grandson, who would one day make her the great-great-grandmother of King David. So a story of redemption. I want to suggest 
that this story teaches us that family is so much more than blood or more than law. Family is people covenanting to journey together, to absorb the harshness of life together, to walk through the joys and the struggles and the challenge no matter what comes. And so, friends, we come to your favorite part of the sermon, the end, but also the so what moment. So what does this mean for you and for me that we have heard this story and we have studied it today? So what does this mean for our week that we're about to walk through? I want to suggest just one thing, that the so what moment from God this morning is a challenge, a challenge to expand our idea of what our families are and to recommit ourselves to one another. So I ask you now just for a moment to close your eyes and to think of your family as broad as it might be, as broken, as joyful, with its perfectionists and its screw-ups, its truth-tellers and its liars, its teenagers and its aging parents, its friends and adopted members. Hold your family now. Give thanks for them. And as you do, Renew your covenant to journey with the ones that God has placed in your life, hearing, where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. Amen. We hold those words of covenant with us as we go from this place. And if you're still feeling a little bit down about how crazy your family is, I leave you with the thought that God can work within your family, no matter what it entails, no matter the stories of grief, of loss, of regrets, joy, or challenges. The Bible has taught us that. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. And now we turn to our closing hymn. This is going to be, Morning Has Broken is the tune, but the words are different. This hymn was written by Carolyn Gillette, and it was written with these stories of our fathers and mothers of the faith, and particularly Ruth and Naomi in mind. So I invite you now to stand and join your voices together in singing our closing hymn of praise.